Another blowout puts the Hawks' backs against the wall. They basically kept the pressure on all of us tonight. Yeah, I haven't been guarding. I mean, like this consistently since like high school. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks beat reporter for the AJC, and today we're going to talk about the Hawks' Game 4 loss Sunday to the Miami Heat, 110-86. to And I'm going to be joined by my co-worker, Gabe Burns. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I'm so good. It's an honor to be on here. Obviously, I was doing nothing but baseball for several years. And uh, what was it? Maybe a month or so ago, I hopped on with D-Led, and now I'm on here, so I'm just making the rounds. Uh, well, I wish we had a happier subject matter for you for this spot start, but we do not. Um, so today, we are going to talk about, obviously, the loss overall, put a few things in perspective. We'll talk about some some individual performances as well. Um, the Hawks got Clint Capella back for Game 4, so I think coming off the Game 3 win in Atlanta, getting another one at home, getting Clint Capella back, I think everyone kind of felt like the the wind was maybe changing the Hawks' direction. Um, Kyle Lowry was out for the heat, so there were a few things adding up that maybe made it seem like things were going to go the Hawks' way. Fortunately, pretty much the opposite happened. Um, So anyway, we'll talk about the Hawks falling flat in Game 4, 26-4 run heading into halftime. Um, I mean, the fourth quarter of this game was basically garbage time, unfortunately, um, for the Hawks. The Hawks report is brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A quick reminder that if you're listening to us for the first time, or if you've like been listening but have not subscribed or followed, please follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Okay, Gabe, let's dive right in to game four, which I was almost going to say like the mess that was game four, but the first quarter actually was not a mess. The Hawks were up 26-25, after that first quarter, they actually went six for 15 from three in that first quarter. DeAndre Hunter was on fire, 11 really quick points. So again, like I just feel like a lot of things were, um, there's a lot of buildup, maybe kind of getting people's hopes up for the Hawks in this game, understandably so. And then the second quarter, which I know you ended up writing a little bit about, 26-4 run to end the first half. Um, Miami had a timeout in there. The Hawks did not. It was just it, that was, it was just a, a you know in game three they gave up a 21-0 run, but they were able to just squeak out a win in game three. Um, could not recover 
after that run, though. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty ugly, obviously. Uh, they, they <laughs> it was not, as ugly as it sounds. Yeah, they could not create easy shots. Uh, you know, Trey went 0 for 3 in that time, and uh, he was obviously frustrated after the game. Miami, the thing that jumps out is how physical they're playing these guys, especially him. Uh, it's just a lot of tough dudes. Obviously, they're well-coached, a veteran team. Uh, Jimmy Butler sets the tone there. And, I mean, you're looking at this, and uh, Trey is – Clint Capella kind of said that it was kind of like how teams would try to do James Harden, you know, his former Houston teammate. And, you know, Trey is that, you know, that level of scorer, close to it. And with the way – it's just – this is really just a nightmare matchup for him. And as you, as you know, it's a nightmare matchup for the Hawks. And right now – you know, we can identify the problem, but, you know, what do you but see? But how do you as, fix it? Yeah, yeah, what do you see as the possible fix here? Because I think that Miami's basically just kind of exploiting a roster flaw, and I'm not sure what exactly can be done to address it now. Right. So real quick, let me go through some numbers first. Um, Jimmy Butler, 36 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, plus 14. Just a stellar, stellar game and showing from Jimmy Butler. Uh, Trey Young, nine points, five assists. Um, some of that is, you know, the heat getting up on him. Some of it is other guys not making shots. Um, five turnovers, three for 11 from the floor. And then if you think about it, if you think of the Hawks, you know, shooters, you think of Trey, you think of Kevin Herter, four points, four turnovers, four assists, three rebounds, one for seven from the floor and one for five from three. He's obviously normally a very good three-point shooter. Kevin Herter is. And then you also think of bogey when you think of the Hawks shooters. Four points, one for six from the floor and oh for three from three. The Hawks were also 11 for 20 from the line, which is very uncharacteristic. Um, and obviously that's very bad, 55% from the line. So you're leaving a lot of points out there. Um, Compared to Miami, 17 for 21 from the line. So, anyway, and it's not like Miami had this amazing, uh, amazing shooting night. They were 13 for 42, so that's 31% from three. Hawks were, all in all, 35.7% from three. And I know this is a lot of, a lot of box score stuff, but I just want to, if someone happened to miss a quarter, or if you turned off the fourth quarter or something, I just want to give a, a little recap for you. Um, and, but again, that was, they, they made six threes in the first quarter and then the rest of the game, it's not like this, they were, it's not like they were shooting well. Um, so I think a big thing that you saw happen after that, in that second quarter, which the Hawks lost 30 for 15, and then again, they just never recovered. 25, they, they lost the third, 25-20, gave up five threes to Miami in that period, and, the, and then by that point, you're down 19 going into the fourth. So anyway, that telling stat, Heat 48 points in the paint, Hawks 26. That is just, um, so that's 13 for 23, the Hawks for 26 points, and the Heat 24 for 40. So just even the, sh the amount of shots that they're getting. And Nate McMillan spoke about, let me play this audio from Nate McMillan real quick. He spoke about how the Heat were, the way they were defending, the Hawks just could not get any penetration. It was their deep man defense. I thought they um, they were solid all night long. Uh, basically, uh, kept us on the perimeter. Um, you know, we really wasn't able to uh, get into the paint. Only 26 points in the paint. Uh, I thought a lot. Uh, we settled a lot 
uh, early in the first half, uh, perimeter jump shots as opposed to attacking the pressure. You have to attack the pressure, uh, get into the paint, force that defense to collapse. And then that should get, open up something on the perimeter. Uh, we didn't do that enough. And when we did, we get to the free throw line, we missed nine free throws. So I think probably if you were to just look at this, if you were to look at this box score, if you were to just, you know, be watching TV and see a recap of this game, I think the biggest thing that would jump out is Trey Young, nine points. He was three for 10 from three, three for 11 from the field, um, 0 for 1 from the line again. And all of this is just so so abnormal for him um, and he spoke a little bit about how Miami was packing the paint as well. No, nah, I mean if you're watching the game I mean you see that they have five people in the paint when I, when I had the ball so um, I mean they're I mean they're doing a great job of uh, I mean showing help and not letting me get into the paint and uh, I mean when I'm driving if I try to drive by somebody they're sending a double and uh, forcing me to, to kick it to my teammates and I mean I, I took 11 shots I probably took a couple forced ones at the end and um, I mean, I really didn't get any too many clean ones. So you got to give them credit, and uh, we got to do a better job of figuring out how to get get some more open looks and get them get them off me early, and uh, so I can create not only for myself but for my teammates too. I haven't been guarding, I mean, like this in a long. I mean, obviously you get guard like this every now and then, but consistently since like high school, and I mean, obviously it's way better competition, so it's hard for me to to score a lot more through the double teams and face guards uh, at this level. But I mean, it's it's a challenge for me and. Um, I mean, it's got to. I got to learn how to to fight through it and and make it easier for for myself and for my teammates. So I gotta, I'll I'll figure it out. Um, and that's that's my that's my plan. I think the biggest thing right now, though, that comes to mind, and all of that, that's fair points by Trey. I mean, he's been giving the Heat defense, which is obviously a top five defense. He's been giving the Heat defense a ton of credit because Trey faces so many throughout the season faces a box and one defense. He faces teams, you know, just face guarding him like crazy. He faces, um, he faces just smothering defenses, but normally, and they're playing him off the ball a little bit more to, to see if they can just get someone else, you know, bringing the ball off the court, see if that'll open anything up. And unfortunately it, the only really time we've seen anything really work for the Hawks is the fourth quarter of game three. But with just Trey specifically tonight, what stood out to you? I mean, it just seemed like every single time he tried to drive, they were doubling him. And if he can't get to his floater and shots aren't falling from three and they weren't very good at the line, I mean, we're running out of ways to score the basketball. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Michael Cunningham and I were talking about this earlier and Miami is just – so uniquely equipped for this you know there's a few teams in the league that just have the the right combo of wing defenders of coaching you know you look at what boston has obviously been able to do in their series and they're a team equipped like that and you know capella brought up the bucks series last year that's another team with length and guys that size can, yeah, huge. you can you can mix and match and I mean, again it goes back to this is you know largely a personnel problem i mean you have to give Miami credit, which Trey did. Uh, they're doing a great job. They- <laughs> I, I got to tell you what just happened. Gabe was trying to, <laughs> Gabe was trying to power through. <laughs> so I was sitting in my chairs, like, you know, the folding chairs, and they're extra floppy, and I almost just, like, fell through it out the back. I'm also wearing a skirt anyway. It could have gotten weird, but we're, we're going to push through. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> 
So Good anyway. Back to <laughs> so back to basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave that in. Leave that in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, obvi- it's just a really tough matchup for the Hawks. And again, this is something that we, you know, we've spent a lot of time looking ahead to the offseason and seeing you know, how this roster is going to change. I think we've spent pretty much a year talking about, you know, consolidation or, you know, how is it going to be tweaked. And this series kind of shows why the – there, there will be changes and why they're necessary. And it's not all on Trey, but at the same time, you look at uh, Boggy and Herter combining one for 13 uh, without it in front of me, I believe. So when you look at that, I mean, you also have opportunities for other guys and they're just not making it happen and he can't do it all by himself too. So it just uh, – it's really just a combination. You know, again, the, the points in the paint, the free throws, basically everything that you covered, uh, it's an avalanche and it just – Again, to put it in the simplest way, Miami is just a better team. Uh, I mean, you're the one seed and you're, yeah. yeah. I mean, the eight seed is supposed to lose to the one seed, you know, as the, so the logic goes. Um, But I think that just in a way, maybe if you're thinking like super long term as a Hawks fan, I mean, you don't want to lose this series. It's not fun to lose, but maybe there are some roster things that get exposed now. And you can potentially fix them in the offseason, whether it is, I mean, I've seen a, a lot of stuff about like, do the Hawks need a reliable, you know, second legitimate star alongside Trey? Do the Hawks need, which I can answer this one, yes, they need to be able to defend the point of attack better, I think is another one. Um, so anyway, I mean, DeAndre Hunter is really the only guy who shooting wise had it going 24 points. Um, again, a lot of that was sort of front-loaded, though, in the first quarter. Um, While we're talking about Trey, we should mention that he got stepped on, sort of, in the second quarter. Um, Gabe Vincent and him sort of got tangled up and got his foot stepped on. Um, He mentioned that, yes, it was sore, but it didn't sound like he was saying he was in, you know, terrible pain or anything. But um, he didn't say anything. If he was in pain, he didn't say anything to Nate McMillan. Uh, Trey never said anything about his foot. You know, um, we'll see how he's feeling. A couple of our guys are feeling, um, you know, after, you know, tonight. But, uh, no, he, he's not making any excuse. I thought uh, they basically kept the pressure on all of us. And uh, tonight we just was not able to uh, penetrate their defense. Nate also did not answer a question about bogey. And who only played 20 minutes, who played so well in game three and basically kind of was one of the main guys propelling them to to victory in game three, that him only playing 20 minutes um, is very curious. I don't know if there was something tweaked there or not, but Nate McMillan did not answer that. He said, well, (laughs) gave him very much a non-answer of we'll look at all our guys or something. Um, Anyway, so no update on Bogey right now, but definitely curious that he only had 20 minutes there. Um, Another guy that was, you know, banged up. I mean, obviously John Collins is playing through injury too. Um, 11 points for John who got into some, some major foul trouble, um, picked up five. John only ended up playing 21 minutes. Um, But another guy is, is Clint Capella who came back in this game. And when you think of Clint Capella being, reintroduced you think of like oh my gosh okay the Hawks are adding more size they're adding more rebounding they're adding you know a pick and roll partner for for Trey they're adding um his ability to maybe get some defenders off of ball handlers you know as a screener like all those different things 
but it almost didn't end up it almost didn't even get the chance to have an effect, really. Um, kept, uh, Clint had played about 21 minutes, um, two points, seven rebounds. He's minus 11. Um, you just didn't really even get to see him do too much, really. Um, he mentioned that he was not playing with a lot of pain, which I guess is good. Um, but here's Clint on how he was feeling. My legs were uh, obviously tired, felt a little bit out of rhythm. Um, I was just really happy to be out there with my teammates, just just help them. Yeah, even though that I knew that I wasn't 100, uh, percent I just felt I just felt good to to, to be out there and, and, and just be out there with the guys grinding. So I mean, that's at least good news from the Hawks overall. I mean, even if you think of just long term, you don't want Clint to. You didn't want that to be a serious thing for him. So it's good for them to get him back. Um, John Collins is playing through injury, but I think. Uh, I'll ask your thoughts on this. I I think that the Hawks really, what it came down to was you weren't enough of a shot-making threat to stretch out the defense. So you just pack the paint. Nobody can really have success at the rim, which is obviously one of the best shots you can get. You know, Trey can't get to his floater, which is one of his best shots. Um, It just kind of seemed like like you were talking about matchup-wise, Miami was able to force Atlanta to do what they wanted. Yeah, Miami's played it perfectly. Atlanta was up eight points at around the halfway point of the second quarter. Next thing you know, you know, you're down like 13 or 14 at half. I think the closest that you came uh, was eight points early in the third, and it just completely unraveled from there. There was just not enough shot making. Again, Miami, we keep like Miami is just better. And when you're just better, I mean, it takes some luck. It takes some guys going off. You need, you know, you need that herder game. You needed you know, you like got, a exactly like yeah. Kevin Herter in Game Seven against Philly. Yeah. You know, like Philly couldn't do anything against against Kevin Herter. They were taking away Trey, but it didn't matter. Yeah. So that's a really good point. You needed like a twenty-seven point game from Kevin Herter. Yeah, or and, Trey yeah. just going nuclear. Yeah, which obviously we're not seeing it because Miami's priority is taking him out, and they've been and they've been doing a great job. I think he's shooting thirty-five percent in the series. So, I mean, they're doing everything they can, and you just. Yeah, you just need you need other guys to step up, and they just haven't. And that's you know that's on them, and it's on Miami. It's just the whole combination of it's making it tough. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It is what makes all of this possible. We would not be in this dressing room in State Farm Arena where you are probably hearing quite a bit of echoes because, you know, acoustics are not the biggest priority (laughs) in a dressing room. So if you hear people, like, packing up chairs, if you hear me falling through a chair, if you hear... Whatever you hear, if you hear Gabe echoing, 
uh, all of that stuff, that is why that is happening. Because there's a concert tomorrow, and we believe it is Journey. Jay has Googled it. It is indeed Journey that is going to be playing here tomorrow. So anyway, don't stop leaving. Um, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. Oh, that's the first time I've stumbled over it ever. Oh my gosh, I'm normally so good at it. Anyway, okay, that is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. You always know what's really going on. So anyway, all right, going into game five, unfortunately, and again, you're the eight seed. The Hawks really didn't get a lot of the regular season. They really didn't get it together until post-All-Star break. They finished strong, but they ended up in ninth place, won two games in the play-in tournament. So they were able to grab the eight seed, but you're supposed to lose to the one seed. You know, like that's, that's how the math typically goes. Unfortunately, the way the series is going, the Heat are up 3-1, now the Hawks have to go back to Miami. The Hawks and me, I will be going back to Miami. Um, so Monday I'll be flying down there, game five Tuesday in Miami. I mean, you're in a position now where you haven't shown that you can win in Miami. They lost the first two games of the series down there. It's a, it's a tough environment. The fans are very um, understandably excited. You know, you're, you're there, like, I think kind of, you know, engagement and excitement is super high down there. So it's a tough place to play in general. And then you've got all the hype. Um, and you're in a position now where it's every single, it, it, even if you can win game five, every single game now is must win. Cause if Miami gets one more win, you know, the Hawks season is over. I would be, I would be surprised if there was a game six, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, I thought tonight was kind of a show me game. And we saw what the deal was. So, you know, this team, has, it's had a lot of adversity. We saw what happened in the playoffs last year. You can't rule anything out. But just given the trajectory, how this has gone, uh, it would take finding answers that they have yet to show any indication they're close to finding. Um, so when we look back at this season, I mean, coming off what happened last year, it's going to be viewed as a disappointment, and it should be. Uh, it was underwhelming. But it was a season where I think it, they learned a lot about kind of what they have and what they need to do moving forward. So, you know, growth isn't always linear. Um, so taking a step back uh, is obviously not what you want to do, but sometimes that's part of the process. So, again, I don't mean to talk like their season is over. Uh, I just uh, I don't feel particularly optimistic uh, about the next game. We'll have to have you on if we do a, a wrap-up show because that was good. That was real good. Um, no, I think the way that the Hawks finished the season last year under Nate McMillan, who took over in March, they were 27-11 uh, the rest of the way. Like, I remember talking with one of the Hawks PR guys being like, it seemed like every single time, because you have to remember COVID year, like we weren't traveling at that time. Um, so this was last season. Um, it seemed like every single time, but we were still going to home games. It seemed like every single time we would talk after a home game, we would like be walking back into where the media room was. It was like a, actually where like a restaurant in State Farm Arena is. Last year was weird. If, you'd have, if we had had the podcast going on last year, uh, it got weird. Um, it seemed like every single time though I would talk with them, I would be like, wow, that was a really good win. It was just, they got hot is my point. And because of that, because of the way they got so hot, 
you know, they kind of, they ran it back with that group. This is a nearly identical roster to last year, but it was a much, much different story. Obviously you had Nate McMillan the whole year instead of, you know, taking over mid, um, mid last season. I do think there's a little bit, I don't mean to take like an, I don't know. Cause I feel like people might be, you know, frustrated with the way the series is going. So I'm not trying to say, Oh, it's great. But I do feel like it, exposes some roster stuff that maybe it's like, okay, we need to nip this in the bud. We need to do this. We need to require this. Here's what we need to do. Uh, it turns out DeLon Wright's great for us when we give him, when we give him more minutes, like things like that. So all that to say, I do think that, I do think that there might be some stuff that has kind of risen to, to the surface that is, is good to figure out, okay, this is how we need to address it. Um, but in the short game, <laughs> Game five is it still has to uh, has to happen here, and I asked Trey Young what his mindset is going into Game five. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what happened in Game three. I mean we got bogey guys starting knocking shots. I didn't score very many points to the fourth quarter, so uh, the the paint and the the lane started opening up when when I mean bogey and guys were knocking down shots, and uh, I just think that's just kind of the the, the thing we got to do is if they're gonna really pressure me and not let me get my shots up. It's really to I got to get my teammates good looks, and they got to knock them down. I believe that they will next game, and as if they do that, I mean, they got to they got to show them more respect, and then I'm able to get into more creases and gaps and get into the paint more. So it's uh, it's pretty much just like that. Uh, we're still confident. They they're up three uh, one. We we know uh, what the series is, but uh, we're never gonna lose confidence. We still have another game to play, another two three games to play, but. Um, we're, we're still confident. They, they won today, but we, like I said, we still have more games to play. Yes, and we'll see exactly how many come game five. Uh, because, again, the Hawks are in, you know, a must-win situation. I actually thought, I'm curious to get your, thought, your thoughts, Gabe, on Trey's answer there. Because I actually thought, I mean, he's being really candid. I mean, you obviously don't want to call out, you know, teammates. And obviously, he didn't have a great night either. You know, he... he he owned up to that as well. But if other guys can get going, then that opens up stuff for him too. I mean, I don't know. I liked how candid he was there. Yeah, I mean, this is a learning experience for him too. I mean, he's a superstar, but, you know, <laughs> there. I mean, the NBA history is riddled with superstars who had kind of learning series early in their careers, right? I mean, not many guys were uh, – you know, winning titles at age 22, and even some of the, you know, the greatest players. Uh, so, you know, for a guy who's, you know, really learning how to handle d- defensive attention, obviously, since, you know, last few years he has, but, and learn how to continue to make his teammates better, because, I mean, before the playoffs last year, a lot of people considered Trey to be a, you know, good stats, bad team guy. Right, mm-hmm. or right or wrong, mm-hmm. that was his reputation to a lot of people, and I know that makes people upset, but that's how a ton of folks viewed it. And you know, he quieted that with the playoff run last year, and now it's just you know continuing to take that next level. And he's obviously he's a brilliant creator, and what Miami has done, I think, and you brought this up earlier in the long run, uh, I think it will be good for him. I think it will be good for the guys who are here over the long term, and I think it's something that they can learn from. And it's just like really, honestly, earlier in the regular season, uh, you know, there was the comment about kind of being bored. Uh, And, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're reading your press clippings, as they say, and you're really, you know, you're really just, you know, proud of what you accomplished. And I think that they learned that it's not 
It's not going to be like that, right? So this is the same thing. You know, whatever happens, if they come back and somehow win this series, I would say that obviously that would be an incredible accomplishment. Uh, but assuming that things continue as they have, uh, you're going you're gonna to sit there this offseason and you're going to look at what you can do to adjust and how to counteract basically what Miami's done because they've really shown you the blueprint as to how to stop you. So now you can kind of analyze and go back and look at this because it's not the Knicks. The Knicks were a favorable matchup. We know what happened with Philly. Uh, this, is a, this is a different challenge. This is a greater challenge. And short term, it's a big problem. Long term, it could be something that really benefits them. Yeah, and I think facing a little bit of adversity in this way is not it, – it's not the worst thing to ever happen to, you know, the Hawks or Trey because in the same way that, you know, Eric Spolstra and the Heat, and the Heat were able to get film on the Hawks and limit – Trey and the Hawks the way that they have as the Hawks you're able to go back and watch this film and learn from it um I don't know if it'll be able to happen in time for game five I I'm kind of with you as far as skeptical I mean I was down in Miami um and and we'll see I mean if they if they pull off that win then you know you come back to Atlanta um but I think the biggest thing that I was kind of maybe not like counting on, but counting on if the Hawks were to win, they needed to take care of home court. And I think that's why this is such a deflating loss for both the fan base and, you know, maybe the Hawks, because you got that one like super energetic, pumped win in game three, comeback win. The vibes were great. There was so much excitement. The crowd was amazing. You get Clint Capella back, Kyle Lowry's like all the stuff that we started, uh, that we, we mentioned, you know, at the at the top of the podcast, and you couldn't get it done in Game Four on your home court. It just kind of spells trouble for Game Five because the Hawks have not been good on the road. We've talked about this on this podcast a lot. The Hawks have not been good on the road the whole season, really. So now, in addition to a must-win game, you got to go do it in a tough environment. It just it just kind of spells trouble. Yeah, and you got smoked tonight. Like it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't close. A, yeah, it was it not wasn't a competitive. Close. You effort. got smoked on your home court. Yeah, it see, wasn't close. If in the in the hypothetical world where they win tonight, you know the series is reset. We don't know about Lowry. Uh, yeah, you're going to have two road games, but you're going to have one back here. Uh, and if you could manage to get to a game seven, you can take your chances. Maybe you know again, Trey just goes off. He figures it out. You know, you'll you'll take your chances. They did there, it last but, year in Philly. Yeah, exactly. You know? So. You know, but after you see how things unfolded tonight, uh, it was a bit of a reality check, I think. Uh, and ultimately, I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but it, it's, it seems here that it's, uh, it's about a wrap. I just want to point out, because I think that's a good point, that this was not close. Um, I, if, I, if it sounds like I'm rubbing it in, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm rubbing it in. Um, but... Um, the final score, I always get paranoid also that I like forgot to say the final score. Final score was 110 to 86. 86 actually is, and playoff stats are kind of a thing of their own. They sort of live, there's like playoff stats and then there's regular season stats. Don't even ask me about the playing tournament. I don't know what to do with those stats. But um, this would be a season low for the Hawks in scoring. And again, you're pretty healthy. You know, yes, Lou Williams was out. Um, yes, this was Clint's first game back. Yes, John Collins is playing through injury. But as far as your, like, shooters, you're pretty healthy. Again, unless something's going on with Bogey and Nate did not say. 
um, or unless Trey's foot hurts him a lot more than he was saying. Um, but as far as, I guess I'm talking the injury report, you're pretty healthy and you were held to what would be a season low. They're, uh, by one point, their other season low would have been 87 in the Christmas Day game against the Knicks. They were obviously the opposite of healthy in that one and super shorthanded because that was when all their COVID stuff was going on. So 86 would be a season low. Um, obviously, it's just it's just dicey for the Hawks going into game five, and we'll see what they can do with game five, though. Gabe, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you three, wait, us three, in this dressing room, this this back room, whatever it is at State Farm Arena. Anyway, you guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, and stay with us because after game five, um, win or lose, whatever the result of that is, we'll have a show for y'all then as well. Um, so please don't forget to rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. And we will see you guys after game five on the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.